If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, one and all. Today, I want to treat you to a wonderful scoring of the movie The Black Hole. You'll learn facts and fun soundtrack tidbits on the film here today on Soundtrack Alley, the podcast, and I am your host, Randy Andrews. Welcome to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I am your host, Randy Andrews. Today, we are talking about the movie The Black Hole. For many people, no one ever heard of this movie. It was made in 1979, and I'll briefly explain the plot. A spaceship crew investigate another ship lurking close to a black hole in space. This ship was considered missing, and the crew found the USS Cygnus, to be vaguely familiar to a ship in which one of the scientists, played by actress Yvette Mimimax, knew that her father was once a member of the crew. Strange things occur as Dr. Reinhardt and his faceless army of automatons plan to explore the ever-expanding black hole. I enjoyed this film tremendously. In the wake of Star Wars, it gave you a subliminal look at science fiction and the effects of space on a person's psyche. Here are some fun facts about the film. To film the special effects, Disney originally wanted to rent the Dijkstraflex camera system that was created for Star Wars Episode IV, A New Hope. It was the first computer-controlled camera from Industrial Light and Magic. However, the price and rental terms were unacceptable, so Disney created its own version instead. What resulted was Disney's ACES, the Automated Camera Effects System, which was radically superior to the Dijkstraflex system, the Matascan system which enabled the camera to move on a matte painting that was previously impossible and a computer-controlled modeling stand. This was Disney's first PG-rated movie, 
and the main reason it was awarded that PG certification was the murder of Anthony Perkins' character an hour or so into the film. No blood was seen, but it was too graphic for a G rating. And at the time of its release, the movie featured the longest computer graphic sequence that had ever appeared in a film, the green grid sequence that appears during the opening titles. I love to talk about robots. Here are a couple of facts about the robots in the film. The character Vincent, V-I-N-C-E-N-T, was originally to have more elaborate electronic eyes, which would have given him a greater range of facial expressions. Unfortunately, the electromechanical eyes simply didn't work properly, and the effect was abandoned at the beginning of principal photography. Gary Nelson was not satisfied with the way the model shop made Bob, stating that the robot did not look battered enough. He went to a clay model they were using for reference and proceeded to hit it several times with a baseball bat. They built a new robot based on this model. The helmets of the robot Sentinels had very limited vision, making it very difficult to direct and coordinate the actors, particularly when they were firing the lasers. And finally, Reinhardt's robot was already called Maximilian before Maximilian Shell was chosen for the role of Reinhardt. Reinhardt would end the film merged with the robot, thus being ironically trapped in Maximilian's shell. This was regarded as the last big special effect production to be made under the old studio system. All of the elaborate special effects were created within the Disney studio and not farmed out to any outside special effects companies. The film contained over 550 visual effects shots, including over 150 matte paintings, which is really awesome. A funny piece of trivia is that the laser pistols originally had light-up tips that would activate when the actors pressed the trigger, thus giving the animators cues as to when someone was actually firing the guns. This proved to be a problem, though, because the actors would unconsciously press the triggers when they were not supposed to, often inadvertently shooting cast members. The film was originally supposed to take place in a completely weightless environment. However, the technical difficulties prompted a rewrite of the script so that the Palomino ties up with the Cygnus gravity when it returned. Now, the author of the novelization, which was Alan Dean Foster, he was so appalled by the bad science in the script, he provided a list of changes to pr the producers, which he felt would improve the story. Upset by this, the Disney brass actually called a meeting to decide really what to do. On to some soundtrack trivia. It was popular around this time to release a 12-inch, 33-and-a-third long-playing record containing a film's dialogue, sound effects, and even the score, with narration taking the listener from scene to scene. The record released of The Black Hole featured dialogue that wasn't 
in the original theatrical release of the film. According to the press at the time, the film's score was the world's first digitally recorded soundtrack. This film and Star Trek The Motion Picture, released the same year, were the two last Hollywood films to include an overture, once a common feature of the major studio releases. This film's overture is usually cut from television broadcasts, although it's included in showings on Turner Classic Movies and even the DVD release. The fact that John Barry did this was a really rare occasion for him, considering he hardly ever did an overture for a film. I'd like to play some of my favorite pieces from the film. The first piece is, of course, the overture for the film. It stands alone and is a highlight which is reintroduced throughout the whole production of the movie. So I'd like you to enjoy that. The next piece I'd like to share with you is Durant is Dead. This really changes the film in a dark way. You think the film would get lighter, but with the death of Durant, you find something sinister is involved. Enjoy this well-orchestrated piece giving us a horn section as a highlight. Enjoy.
finally, we've come to an end to another episode. I'm glad you could all join me for this. Next time, I'll have special guest with me, Tim Benson, one of the local podcasters from Omaha, and he headed up panel exploration in downtown Omaha as well. So that will be a lot of fun. One of the things that will be enjoyable about that episode is we're going kind of forward in my timeline for sharing soundtracks, but we're going to be talking about the movie Dune and its soundtrack. So I hope you enjoy that. Please follow me on my blog at SoundtrackAlley.net and check out my other episodes of the podcast on SoundtrackAlley.Podbean.com or on iTunes. My last piece that I'll play for you today is called Into the Hole. It has a whole otherworldly feel, giving you a sense of dread and yet awe as the crew enters the black hole, knowing it's the only way through to the other side. So see you next time, and happy listening.